I've been praying for the last few weeks, Jesus, overwhelm me with your love. <laughs> and he does it today. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Friends, I wanted to challenge you in your expectation of this morning. Just before Ella got up, I was like, today is the day of salvation. It's just, today is the day of salvation. And maybe it means you're getting saved for the very first time, or for his spirit to break into your heart in a way that you've never experienced him. But what is your expectation this morning? You know, I, I think about the Jesus coming into, into town, and like people are like gathering to see him, and I'm sure a bunch of people are standing back, let's see what this guy brings. You know, we've heard about him. Let me stand back and see what he's going to bring today, you know. And then you get someone like Zacchaeus who gets there and he climbs a tree because he's just, he's not just standing back saying, okay, let's see what this guy will bring. Like Zacchaeus climbing the tree and saying, I, Jesus is here. I want to see what he's going to do today, you know. Um, or the, the woman with the issue of blood who has spent all her money. She's given everything she has to try and solve her situation. She's desperate. And she doesn't wait and say, okay, I've heard about this prophet. What's Jesus going to do today? Let me see if he can do anything. Let me see if he can wow me. She is the one that's going, and like through the crowd, she just desperately grabs onto him and hold, takes a hold of him, and she gets healed in that moment. And I just feel like that's an encouragement for us for today. We can stand back and say, okay, you know, and it's a very Western thing to do. Let's see what the message is going to be like today. What's he going to bring? Friends, I can't bring anything. I'm sorry to <laughs> disappoint you. I cannot bring anything, but Jesus is the one that can meet you right in the middle of what you are going through at the moment. He is the one that can bring change. And so don't wait for him to, you know, impress you this morning. Can I ask you, just be on the edge of your seat saying, Jesus, because it's not my words that's going to bring any change to you this morning. It's going to be him. If you are in that state of, of that position of on the edge of your seat, Jesus, forget about what's going on. Even forget my words and just go after him. He will meet you in that place. And so, this morning, what I wanted to do, it's going to be a little bit of a morning of stories. Um, I, I felt in our prayer time a couple of weeks ago that we need to start telling more stories. You know, I think we're living in an age where we, things are so busy and things are so at your fingertips if you need any information or things that went down in the past that we almost don't invest in the time of telling stories. You know, I think about ancient civilizations where they used to tell stories and, you know, the kids didn't have iPads and, 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 and. So it would be like that was the form of entertainment. And, you know, it would be like I could just imagine on the edge of your seat hearing stories of what your dad did and your granddad and his dad and um, your grandmother and your, you know, and all of the times that the Lord broke through and did incredible things in their, in their history. And those were the things without anything to... Um, take things down or sort of spread that, that news, that you had to remember it. And so it was like on the edge of your seat, hearing these things, memorizing, so that you could tell of the wonders of God. And so I just wanted to tell a few stories this morning. And why I, think, why I felt that, I think, is that sometimes we can speak things. We can say the words, right? And I can, what's coming out of my mouth is not what you receive because it's not real in me. Yet when it's our story, it's something that we've digested and you can respond to because it's like almost like eating of somebody's life, right? I mean, we have learned from Bill Johnson for how many years now? Maybe late 2000s, right? And you've, we've been blessed by him, been blessed by him. But the other day, I felt like I ate of his life. You know, he had just lost his wife. Uh, to cancer, you know, and he's a man who declares the goodness of God and what God can do, um, and he's seen many people healed of cancer and, 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 you know, but he's, there's been demonstration, but there can also just be words, yet hearing his sermon three days after, he got up in front of his church, and three days after he'd lost his wife, he can get up and declare the goodness of God in the midst of his grief, 
Not turning a blind eye to grief. Not turning a blind eye to the things that go down in this world. But looking it straight on. And just in that raw, authentic space, it was like that message was just like I'm eating of this man's life. And... Um, and I think that's what stories do as well, you know. And so this morning I wanted to tell you um, just a bit of a story of our journey of falling in love with, in falling in love, um, and falling in love with Jesus and falling in love with his, with his bride. And I'm just going to touch on certain milestones of when he highlighted certain things to me on my journey and made them more real. And I'm really trusting that as I do that, that the Holy Spirit would highlight things individually. I know he's going to highlight things individually to you, and it'll meet, he'll meet you where you're at, because there's certain things, there's certain nutrients in parts of these things that we need that the Holy Spirit will give, and you'll feast on that today. Not on my story, but what he, on what he's going to do in you. You're going to eat of those things and digest those nutrients and so falling in love, you can't make somebody fall in love, can you, with you? How many people have been in that situation? I had somebody from about standard five till matric that didn't know I was alive and I was pining after someone that I actually, it was just a figment of my imagination actually. And so to fall in love, you actually need two people to give themselves fully to each other with abandonment, you know, and friends, Jesus gave himself fully for us, fully for us. And so that's why we get to respond to him fully because he just gave himself fully to us. And I just feel like I felt for this morning, there's some of you here that have arrived with an affection for Jesus, but you're going to leave having fallen in love with him. Jesus, I just pray, even in this moment, that your spirit just comes and fills this room even more than what you are at the moment. And I thank you, Jesus, that in a moment, today is the day of salvation. We can be overwhelmed with you. We can be overwhelmed with your love. Father, we thank you that our encounters with you will move from just being head knowledge and this intellectual thing to being a place, Father, where we truly fall in love with you and we receive your, your spirit deep, deep inside of us. And so I just wanted to highlight four, um, four eras, I suppose, in our life. Um, 1995, when we... Well, when I, I'll say we, but I'll speak for myself now, um, just encountered the power of God, the year I fell in love with my bride. Um, and then, so it was just encountering God in that power space. Then in 2007, understanding the grace that he's lavished out towards us um, and him moving from this harsh taskmaster to a kind father, and just understanding the nature of Father in that time. And then um, jumping forward, so that was Father. And then in 2012, understanding Jesus as my lover and falling completely in love with him. And um, then in uh, 2016, just the Lord taking me on a journey of wholeness to become a whole person and learning to engage with the Holy Spirit as friend. So it's just these different natures of God, his power that introduced me to him, the Father, the kind Father, Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit. And obviously there's a lot of mix in between as I've gone through my journey, but there's a, um, those were the, the highlighted parts. You know, there's, he's never only been the Father or Jesus or the Holy Spirit, but those were just various things that got highlighted over those over those years. So <clears throat> I hope I'm going to get, uh, get through this. I'm going to be brief through the different uh, phases. But um, 1995, um, just out of school, and we were part of a, um, a church. And it was in that era of the Toronto blessing where the Holy Spirit was just getting poured out 
in a very, very powerful way. I don't know how many of you know of that time. It started in Toronto and it just spread through the globe, this like revival time. And we were part of a community that, a church and a youth group. And I mean, we would have, excuse me, we would have um, meetings every night of the week. Like literally, it was just being poured out. And then Friday was youth and it was just a time where I experienced the power of God that I knew he was real. You know, I would feel his, the, almost like electricity going through my body. I would just be completely filled with his presence. Um, you didn't have to, as an 18-year-old, you didn't have to encourage me to get to those meetings during the week, right? Because <laughs> it was just the, reality, the tangible reality of God in that, in that place. And so it was an incredible time of just knowing, oh, this God is real. I remember walking through, um, we were doing a prayer march in, um, in um, Hillbrow, and just the Holy Spirit coming on me, and this the reality of God. And so that really established that God is real. That's what it did for me. It's like, this is not make-believe. He is real. And um, so it was just a very, very beautiful time of encountering His power. And it was in that space at a a youth camp um, in um, April 1995 that um, in that, that space, I remember it so, so vividly. We were singing, um, it was a, a room full, much, much bigger than this, of young people, just completely overwhelmed by the presence of God. And I remember we were singing that, that song. Um, oh, thanks, Jacques. Uh, we were singing that song, uh, Mercy is Falling, is falling, is falling. I don't know if you, any of you know that. Anyone bold enough to sing it? No. Just. Thank you. Just such a beautiful thing. As I remember, as we were singing that, literally it started raining outside and pouring. And it's just like this moment. It feels like that was the, if I think back, that was like the seedbed of where Jesus connected me with Kirsty. I met this, this girl and um, then found out she was 14. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was... Anyway, so we, we, we met on that camp. <laughs> it was a couple of weeks before her 15th birthday. Um, but I just remember at the time, do you know how old that girl is? She's 14. And I'm like, no. Like, and um, anyway, it was, it was in that space, that, of the, the, that sweet rain falling that Jesus put us together and introduced us. And she went back after that camp and told her grand that she had found the man that she was going to marry, uh, which I think was just an insight, right? The spirit, because she was dating another guy at the time. So, um, <laughs> eh? yeah, and um, not too much detail. And anyway, it, it took me a while to respond, um, probably because I thought she was 14, right? Um, I was 18 at the time. And um, so, yeah, so I was kind of like, you know, at a bit of a distance. And I said earlier that you can't make someone fall in love with you, but you can help them along the way, right? <laughs> because I remember a night um, at the end of youth, uh, we were walking at the Randberg waterfront, and Kirsty was walking up front. This is months later. She probably thought, forget this guy. He doesn't know what he's doing. And I saw her holding Vickers's hand. So, I just want to thank Vickers, because that prompted something, and I was like, no, there's something not right about that, and something came up in my, my heart, and um, anyway, long story short, we got together that December, um, we started dating, and I really didn't know what I was doing, Kirsty was my first girlfriend, because the one from Standard 5 onwards just didn't respond, so, you know, right? 
Um, and um, it was, yeah, we got together that December, and a couple of months later, Kirsty said to me, like, so where's this going? You know, I was like, I don't know. Like, and so I, um, in my, you know, my um, not knowing what I was doing, I, I said, well, I don't know, maybe we, you know, it's not going well, I don't know. Anyway, so we broke it off, and it broke her heart, and it broke my heart, and I vowed I'd never do that to someone ever again. And so when we got together, that was sort of early 20, uh, 1996, um, I vowed when I, we, if we had to ever get back together, it would be fully. I'd give myself fully. I'm never going to do that to, to someone ever again. And um, so we ended up, we waited a few months. But when we got together, we knew it was it, was it you know. And so it was on her 16th birthday. Um, we were quite different then. I used to wear palazzo pants, and it was the 90s. You know? <laughs> eh? Yeah, shh. Eh? <laughs> um, Anyway, so that's, we fell in madly, madly in love, and we decided this is this, and that, that's it, you know, we, we together, and uh, we got engaged at, um, uh, as Kirsty finished school on a metric holiday, she was 17, and we got married the following year, and the Lord has just been so good to us, and I include that as part of the story, because, you know, Jesus compares um, our union with him us becoming one with him, not like there's God there and it's man here, but our unity with Jesus. Uh, Paul says in Ephesians 5, it's a mystery. Not just it's a mystery, it's a profound mystery. This, this concept of husband and wife, not being you know, she's there and I'm here. No, but that we become one flesh. He says it's a profound mystery, but I'm speaking about Christ and his church. The way Jesus and me, Jesus and you, get unified as one. It's the same picture as the, the, the beauty and the unity of marriage. It's not just a gathering, getting together of people that believe the same, you know, or have some things in common. Oh, I like Jesus. We've got things in common. You know, I'd like to be a Christian. Maybe I should just subscribe to his thing and see if it works for me, if it works for him. No, it's like it's something much, much, much more profound than that, where we become one, where we be completely unified with Him, and it's the same with a marriage. You become completely one if you understand that, and we haven't always understood that, um, but just as that understanding of the gospel has gotten so much more real, the strength of our bond has gotten so much more real because this is a covenant that can't be broken between us because there's just there's unity, and it's a profound mystery, right? And um, anyway, so we, yeah, we got married, and um, between um, 1998 when we got married and, and 2007, the father just, I mean, he blessed us with beautiful Mila and Madison, um, and lots of wonderful things happened, but we were involved. We, we had seen God's power, but we started... We were working in the church. We were working hard in the church, you know. There was an affection for him. I don't know if I can say I've fully fallen in love with him, but there was an affection for him. It's like this power of God. It's real. We need to respond to this. And so what do you do? You give yourself as best as you can. And so um, there was a lot of hard working, you know, um, and wonderful times. It was a, a season that lots of foundations got put into us that we are um, – that is a foundation for what we're living in today. But it was in 2007 that I shared last week at the picnic, the, the prayer time, that Kirsty heard an almost audible voice of the Lord telling us to move to Rosebank and, and immerse ourselves in that community. And it was just a couple of months before very good friends of ours, let me just drink, Um, planted a church in Rosebank, and so we joined them, and we planted this church, and it was a it was a beautiful time. And that that um, uh, later that yeah, I think in October two thousand and seven, we went on a trip. Um, Jacques was there. Uh, Jacques, lot less grey, right? <laughs> um, we went to Hong Kong, and we were just sat under 
a teaching around this revelation of God's grace that he was revealing globally, you know, at, at, at that stage. And uh, that was the time that Jacques fell in love uh, just before. I remember him on that trip um, talking about this wonderful lady, Shane, that we hadn't met. And uh, he was buying new clothes in Hong Kong and like getting all, you know. Um, I actually was looking, I was going to actually show a picture because I thought, oh, I'd love to get a picture from that time. And as I was looking for that yesterday, I found a, a video of Jacques. Uh, you don't know this probably, but singing um, uh, but that Elvis song, I Can't Help Falling in Love with You. <laughs> I've got it on video. With, it, with an Asian accent. <laughs> I thought I'd play it for you, but then I realized we'd lose the meeting, so I better just, um, I can show you afterwards. Um, but it was just such a wonderful time, basically in that space, just at this, this conference and over the next months, just God revealing His grace. He's like, no, no, you don't have to work so hard for this thing. He totally popped the bubble of self-performance and self-righteousness, you know, where it's like, oh, if I want to be a good Christian, I need to do this, this, and this. And if I do, do, it's like you can't do anything to earn his favor. You can't do anything. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have had to have come to the earth because why would he have to give his life if you could, by being a good person, uh, earn the favor of God and cover over that massive chasm of sin that just separated us from him? Um, and it was just such a beautiful time of, of just understanding that actually, no matter what I do, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm favored by him. While I was still a sinner, he sent Jesus to die for me, to take my, when I was an enemy with him, Ephesians says, um, he died for us. He died for me when I was an enemy against him, when I was dead in my sin, like a corpse, uh, he sent his son Jesus to die for me. And um, Ephesians talks about it that it's by grace that we have been saved so that no man can boast. So we can't boast. It's not like, oh, he's better than me. No, no. We all enter at the same point, And it's absolute in our depravity of sin. That's our ticket in. And so um, if that's our ticket in, how much better do we get to live now as sons and daughters, you know? And so it was just a wonderful time of, of Jesus just popping the bubble of performance and religion and the heaviness that that brings and the judgmental attitudes that that brings and the separation mindset that that brings. Maybe you can identify with that this morning. Maybe you going in a cycle of highs and lows, if I've been good, if I haven't been good, um, maybe you're judgmental, and you don't know why you're judgmental, but um, that's not the Father's heart towards people. The Father's heart towards people is absolute love and acceptance. When we were enemies with him, he sent Jesus. Not when we pulled ourselves together. He just embraces us. And so when we get that, that needs to be the outflow. And friends, the church needs a revelation of this because this, con this judgmental attitude and, you know, and um, it's just not, it's not the Father's heart. And, and so in that space of just being completely free almost for the first time, um, it was just the most beautiful time. I mean, the next five years in that community was just unbelievable. It was this fruitful seedbed where we had exchanged all of our own efforts um, for his efforts, and actually, I want to read a, um, I want to read a, um, a prophetic word that Vida, for those of you that are here for the first time, Vida and Helmut are elders in the church here as well. They're in Germany at the moment. Um, she felt a, a prophetic word for for the church, for and I th thought it was appropriate for this morning. Um, <clears throat> she says it's, it's as if Jesus was saying. Your journey with me sometimes has been like climbing a mountain. It has brought health to your bones and built strength in your faith muscles. But to gain heavenly perspective and joy, I am inviting you to catch a ride in the cable car of my divine presence. It's a free ride and totally different take 
on the magnificent journey of your life in me. My glory and beauty will enthrall and captivate you, and every moment will be transformed into a um, will be transformed into a link between heaven and earth. Doesn't it sound good, friends, to exchange the hard climbing up the mountain for the cable car of His divine presence that just brings us into His heavenly perspective and joy? And so, just I'm just as I said, as things get said this morning, just take it and digest it and and see if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you in that space. And um, so it was, a, it was a beautiful five years of just like experiencing the Lord in many ways and just beautiful community and relationships and, and all of um, just wonderful, wonderful time. And, and then and, and an era where, as I said, just the... Um, the, the kind father was really, was revealed as opposed to the harsh taskmaster. And um, then came uh, 2012, and we'd been prepped from the, this message of grace, but we just were exposed to the preaching of the simplicity of the good news of Jesus. Um, can I say not for the first time, but it was a, a, a moment when it started to become more and more real where it was like, you know, oh, Jesus died for you. And, you know, you can, it can be words, right? It can be words. And we don't need words. We need substance where it's actually authentic and when it's real. And I remember at that, at that time, just again, just at a, at a conference, sitting under the preaching of the gospel and the good news. And, um, and that incorporates his grace. And it's just this thing. But the sense that actually I have been made completely unified with Jesus. You know, oh, you've been, you read the scriptures like this, you know. But when you digest that, and it, it was just something, it was like, ah, oh, we get it, you know, that we are, have unified. We were dead. We were buried with him in his burial. We died with him. We were buried with him. And we were raised with him in his life. And our dead old self was in that grave, it remained there, and we, re- we rose inside of Jesus. Profound mystery. Profound mystery. And now we get to live in him, in that place of absolute freedom, and completely free of our old sin life. Yet sometimes we want to keep bringing it back. And so it was just a, it was a profound time of understanding that actually I am a brand new creation um, the word, I think the Greek word for that is kainos, like a um, creation. It's, like, it's not like a new, improved, better tri- version. It's a completely never been seen before um, creature. You were, ali- you were dead, you were something else, and now you are alive. And you are completely free of that, that, that old dead body of sin, that old nature um, that just wanted to keep you enslaved to sin. It was such a profound thing that Jesus did for us on the cross. It wasn't something that was just, you know, oh, I'll subscribe to these beliefs. You're brand new, right? Um, actually, let, me, let me read. I just want to read that to you because maybe you don't believe me. <laughs> Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, think about it, you're united with him, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. You died with him. You've been completely set free. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never again die. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. 
so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. The same way Jesus isn't going to come and die for us again. The same way you need to consider yourself alive to God. Because you're this brand new creation. We've been seated with him in these heavenly places. As I said, profound, profound mystery. And so it was in that space that I learned to engage with Jesus as, a, as the lover of my soul, as this, not just this, like, this, this God out there, this good father, but Jesus as like this passionate lover of my soul, based on this finished work of the cross that has made us completely acceptable. It was a 100% gospel that made us, it's the only way we could get into the presence of the father. Not like a 98% or, you know, wherever you feel like you are at the moment in your, your journey. No, it was a 100% gospel. Otherwise, we couldn't be face-to-face with the Father. And it was off that base of that gospel that I remember this, this guy was reading out portions, or like actually long portions of um, uh, the Song of Songs. And it was one of those things, you know, you read Song of Songs and it's like, you know, nice imagery and that. And then there's a moment where you're like, oh my goodness, that's how he sees me. It's a, it's a description of the, 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 the groom of Jesus and his bride, of Jesus and us. And this place where we get into complete, absolute union. And you read through that and just as he was reading it, it was like, it was like this. I wasn't sitting back kind of checking what's going to happen tonight. It was in that space where the, the, the rain had fallen, the soil was right, and it was just like Jesus meeting with me. And it was just the most profound time to realize as you read through there that, that you know that you take his breath away? It's not like, oh, well, I'm trying for this God that's out there, that he looks at you and he says, my bride, my perfect one, and one that has no flaw because of what he's done for you. And he looks in your eyes and he says, you, have take, you take my breath away. It's like, don't look at me. I can't handle the glance of your eyes. You know, it overwhelms me. And um, just reading through these, these things, as it was being read over me, it was just like Jesus, I don't know, it was this profound moment of just understanding that and realizing that actually it's not this, God out there and me here. It's this, this union of absolute intimacy and knowing of each other. And, um, and from that place, going out into the vineyards and seeing what's in bloom with the one that, is, that we've been made one with. And, um, you know, there's that, there's that part in, in Song of Songs, I think it's in, in chapter um, uh, 8, where I, it says, Set me as a seal upon your heart as a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. In other words, if he had to try and this, this, this love that he offers us is so extreme. And friends, that's the beauty that we get to experience that at this level, in this picture. I think that's why he gave, us, um, he gave us marriage, to try and give us a grasp of what it is to when we finally found our union with him. But you see the language there. It's like it's fierce as the grave, like flashes of fire, like the jealousy of like when love takes hold of you, it's not words. It's not ideologies. It's something that penetrates the deepest, deepest part of you. And, and that's what happened. And I, I mean, I took that quite literal, that's put a seal on your arm and your heart. Because of what had happened inside of me, I'm like, Jesus, I never want to forget this, this reality. And we can forget, friends, if we take our eyes off of him and we get distracted by the things of life, the day-to-day that so easily entangles you know, Song of Songs, go catch those little foxes that want to come and spin, spoil our vineyards, you know. Those little foxes of things that go around that just want to, like, take your eyes. Oh, look, a squirrel, you know. Um, it's like, and so I wanted to remember it. And so I literally, I took that, I think in reading that, I'm like, oh, put it a seal upon your arm. And so I got a, a tattoo, which was very unlike me. But, um, and it's a whole Song of Songs 
theme, you know, that I am the rose of Sharon. I'm like the lily of the valleys, you know, rivers of living water flow from my innermost being. Um, and just that I would never forget this moment and what he's actually really done for me. And um, so it was, a, it was a beautiful time of just, yeah, as I said, falling in love with, with our lover and just the way he sees us. Um, and I think it just, it just, it lifted the lid. We became like just passionate, right? And I think, you know, when, when there's passion, there's often, um, you know, there's that uh, Psalms talks about when there's many cattle in the, the stable, there's lots of manure, right? Um, when there's just sometimes when there's lots of stuff going on, there can be, there can be difficulty. And it was in that space, I think, in our passion of just like, oh my goodness, this isn't just religion. This is like completely transformative. We are these new beings that are walking the earth that are, and it's not even us because we died. I'm not, I don't belong to myself anymore. It's him that now lives through me, you know, that um, where could this go to? And there was just, we had ideas about the church and where the church could go. And we are quite, you know, pioneering in our nature. And so it was just like, where are we going to go, you know, and just ideas of church. And I think sometimes we need to stop and we need to see where everyone else is around, right? And because it's, it's not about just this. It's about, it's the cross, right? It's this way and it's this way. People. God has put us in families, put us in community. And so in that space, we um, had some misunderstandings with um, our friends that we were in, uh, in the church with helping leading the church. And just in our, can I say in our um, immaturity of how to actually deal with things and as opposed to just bouncing it this way and that way as opposed to just like, you know, I'm quite a black and white kind of person and I've changed since then. The Lord's taken me on an, a, a severe journey of how to, anyway, so that, so we, um, misunderstanding, we left the church that we were involved in and um, went on a two-year um, out-of-church experience, I could say. Oh, we can just do it, you know, in our home. And friends, I think in that place, we also got reintroduced with like falling in love with his bride, with the church. Do you know that Ephesians says that the church is the fullness of Christ? But it hasn't always looked like that, has it? The church, not just our church, but the church of God is like, we are the, he's the, he's the head, we're the body, and his fullness fills us. And only through us is he going to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God to rulers and powers through us, right? Like just us, like really, could he not have thought of a better plan than trying to do, you know? But I think it's with that mindset of we're just human. Friends, we're not just human anymore. If you've given your life to Jesus and you've been made brand new, you're not just human anymore. You're a brand new creation. It's not your boasting because it's not you. It's just only what he's done. He's made us these incredibly powerful people that are filled with his presence and his spirit. And um, I have some water. Anyway, so we, we were out of church. And um, not, we loved him still, <laughs> but we were out of church. And um, there was misunderstanding and hurt and that. And the Lord said to us that that's not okay. He never leaves us in those places, right? Um, and so he took us on a journey of, of, uh, of healing and reconciliation. And my mom gave me a, a book over that time by Andy Stanley called Enemies of the Heart. And it just started a journey of like saying, oh, you think you can hold on to a fence in your heart and it's going to be okay. It's never going to be okay. Because would Jesus do that, right? And the standard that Jesus has is our standard because we have been united in him, in his resurrection, and we're seated in heavenly places. And so only what has authority, what, only what is in heaven, what goes in heaven can go in me. If, if, if what I'm living in doesn't match up with what's happening in heaven, 
it's illegitimate. It's not part of my inheritance. And it just took us on this, this journey. And so we realized, okay, this is not okay. We need to deal with that. And so we humbled ourselves and we went back um, to the church and we reconciled with, with our friends. And th the Lord just took us on a wonderful healing journey. And that sort of led us to um, 2016, which is the last one I wanted to, to highlight, where we learned how to engage with Holy Spirit in order to become a whole person. Because, friends, for too long the church has been able to speak the spiritual talk. But how do they live like this? How do we live this way? You know, you can say exactly what the Lord is saying and you can throw spiritual jargon and you can bring prophetic words and you can do what you want. But unless it's real, it doesn't mean anything. And it's felt like there, there was that missing element in our journey of the foundations he's been putting in. And there was that missing element of how to become a whole, authentic, um, real person. And, you know, you think about, you know, from the, in front of church, I'm just raising my hands and I'm undone by God. And then I get into the car and I, from that same mouth that I've just been worshiping, I curse a taxi driver or, you know, kick a dog or, you know, that's, you, we don't have a dog, so you know it's not me. No, I'm <laughs> but the taxi thing could be. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, it's almost like when you get squeezed in life, what comes out? What's the reality of what, is it, ah, is it immediate cursing? Or have you been, have we been filtered through him so much that actually when we get squeezed, what comes out, you know? That authenticity of what you are here, not, we talked about putting masks away, that authenticity, not talking the spiritual talk, but how do you live back at home? Um, how is that working out here at home, you know? And um, yeah, it's so, so we, it, it took us on this, this journey of, of, of authentic being, being authentic. And um, I remember at that stage, um, work was quite crazy. And I think I'd gotten into just a bit of an autopilot zone. And um, yeah, we, uh, Madison and myself, we, we, we took a bit of a sabbatical. Somehow the Lord has led us in these every seven years. For the last many seven, we've had a sabbatical, you know, on the seventh and done a, just a bit of a, like a timeout. And it was on one of those times that um, Madison and I were just having, we were boxing, like, um, not because of her, I think because of me, you know, and just reacting, you know, you squeeze like some interaction, you know, we're traveling, we were in the US and, you know, this can be stressful when you're traveling for a long time and I would just react in a way and I'm like, I just realized like I had absolutely no understanding what was going on in my heart. You know, I was just an autopilot with, with life, you know. Yes, I love Jesus. And, you know, like I'm saying, you can, you know, you can be spiritual and you can, you know, but then what does that count? If you can't live out a life of, of love and of gentleness, that's the fruit of the Spirit. Love, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. If you're not displaying those things, it's a time for us maybe this morning to think, oh, what happens when I get squeezed? And so um, it was just a beautiful time of we got to, well, I got to go because um, the Lord probably knew it was, I was the one that needed work. Although I honestly believe we all need to learn how to process what goes down. We go through stuff in life and it's not about like one time I believed that Jesus died for me and then everything's okay. No, it's like our heart pumps, takes bad blood in and has to give it oxygen and pump out good blood. The same thing we need to do. We need to learn how to process with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis throughout the day, saying, oh, he's our counselor, he's our friend. And that's where I learned um, how, how to engage with the Holy Spirit as my friend, where he could help translate what was going down and actually make sense of it. And I could learn the tools of exchanging the lies that I believe about myself in, uh, for his truth on what he says about me. And friends, you know when you do that, you often don't have to go, and if you've had a little altercation with someone, you often don't have to go 
I don't have to go back to Kirsty and say, okay, let's work this thing out now. Because you know what? I've processed it with the Lord and with Holy Spirit. And he's revealed it's most likely it's my issue that I got so offended because something went down here. And you get to process that and you can come back, you know, as opposed to us being right, you know, and yeah, trying to justify ourselves. And so um, I got the opportunity to go to um, Jonathan and Melissa Helser. We sang one of the, if you don't know who they are, we sang that, what was the song we sang? Raise, Raise a Hallelujah, that one we sang, that's their, that's them, they're worship leaders. But they also run a, in North Carolina, they run a, like a retreat, it's called um, the 18-inch journey. And it's basically just from everything, 18 inches from head to heart. And um, just taking what's happening here and actually to a place where you can translate it, not just through some clever journaling tools, but with the Holy Spirit, asking him and learning how to actually make it real over here. And so it was just a profound experience of learning how to journal the Lord's voice to me about certain situations and just gave us a massive amount of tools in order to become, start to become a whole person because I think the Lord knew that that's a missing, a missing ingredient because when we don't know how to do that and we have an altercation or something or a misunderstanding, friends, the, the church doesn't need another church split. It doesn't need to have another church split. It doesn't need to have people not, not walking with each other and not, not forgiving each other. It needs to be real we are brothers and we are sisters and we are a part of one body, not that church, this church. And so through the process, the Lord has given us, I believe, a wonderful ministry of reconciliation because we've been able to reconcile with, with friends that we have had massive misunderstandings and be able to come back and be house friends again and, um, and get to a place where Stuff happens in my life and I, you know, whatever, and I react badly towards Madison. Immediately, the Holy Spirit shows me how to do it. And I can come back and with softness say, oh, Mads, I'm so sorry that I reacted like that. Because let's be real, we do. We're not robots. Um, and sometimes we take our eye off, the, off of the Lord. And we get, you know, just caught up in the day-to-day. -day. Um, we need to learn how to take what's going down, process that with Holy Spirit and bring it to a place of, of healing. The church needs that. We need that. And so, yeah, so I'm seeing the time is going on. So I wanted to finish, um, I wanted to finish there um, and maybe just to ask yourself today how much observing you're doing in life at the moment Right, Just carrying on by the day-to-day -day activities that you are completely swamped with. And we are swamped, friends. It, uh, we are so pulled in different directions for our attention, for our affection. Um, we need to actually stop regularly and engage with the Father. If Jesus needed to, it says he often went away to be alone. He often went away. Like, really, the Son of God? You'd think, no, he's got lots of stuff to do. He can just go. He can function because, you know, on the go, he can just hear from the Lord and, and work it out. Yes, I suppose he, he could have, but we see a pattern of his life. He often went away to be alone. We need to take time out. If we think that we are going to advance his kingdom and fall more in love with him with just the day-to-day -day, and we'll fit him in in a podcast in the car, it's not... It's, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not authentic. It's not, it's not how you fall deeply in love with someone. And so I just wanted to encourage us this morning is to, to make space. Because I'm sure for, for many of you, there's a journey. And some of these things have, like, it's been part of your journey, all of these things. There's some of you here that have been on all of those journeys with us. Right? And the Lord's been taking you through. Maybe you're in a, a different part of the journey this morning. But I want to encourage you to take time out and say, Holy Spirit, where, whatever has been highlighted to you this morning, that the Holy Spirit has said, ah, oh, you actually need to become a whole person, you know, or, and learn tools of that. And we can talk about that. We'll, we'll maybe have an evening at our home where we can talk and work into that. So come and ask about that, you know. Search. Don't wait for Jesus just to what he's going to do. 
Be like Zacchaeus, climb that tree. Be like that woman with the issue of blood. Grab his cloak, go after it, you know. Ask, don't wait. Um, but, or maybe you have like, oh my goodness, I've got an affection for Jesus, but my goodness, you read the, the language of Song of Songs about this raging, jealous fire of his love, and you can't identify with that. Start that journey. Start that journey today and start reading through books like that. Start reading through books of like Ephesians. Like It's the most ridiculously lavish language that you can get. It's like the extravagance and the, you know, that, that is used at Paul. There's such passion that we are invited into that is part of our journey that we get to walk, on, walk in. So start the journey this morning. So I don't know if we can, if we can finish there. Um, if we can maybe just pray. Can we stand for a, a moment and... I just feel there's a real sense, you know, there's that, that's, that part of Song of Songs where he's like, come away with me. He's like inviting his bride. It's like, come away with me. And maybe we can even sing that together as we finish off. Um, come away with me and just respond to the invitation of Jesus this morning. Friends, I trust that you're feeling like a drawing, a pulling. If you're feeling an ounce even a thought of condemnation because of your failures or things that have happened in your life, if there's even an ounce of um, condemnation that you're feeling, I want you to know that, that that is not from the Father. That is not from the Father. His invitation is, is in our most broken space. That's when He invited us in. And so... If that's how we get invited in, how do we get to live as his sons and daughters beyond that? Why would we go back to condemnation? There is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you, put those, those thoughts, those lies, close them off, put them aside, and just respond to his invitation this morning into the things that he, you feel like he's inviting you into. Uh, the one thing he isn't inviting you into is to be a better Christian or try harder. So can we just, as we worship, as we sing that song, come away with me, it's him singing to you, come away with me. It's going to be wild. It's going to be free. It's going to be full of me. Those are the words of that song. And so respond to him in your heart this morning as we sing that.